Word on Fire is brought to you by Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Chicago area since 1837, and FSP, dedicated to food service excellence. This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of Love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents the Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, our reading for this second Sunday of Lent, our first reading, is one of the most powerful, difficult, puzzling, richest in the scripture. We have to spend some time with this challenging reading because in many ways it cuts right to the heart of what biblical faith is about. It's the story of Abraham's sacrifice of his son Isaac. They say that for the Old Testament scholars and commentators, after the story of the Exodus, this was the story. What I mean is, this was the story that somehow summed it up. The commentators spent years and years meditating on the meaning of this story. Its outlines are familiar to us. Let me read just a little bit from this 22nd chapter of Genesis. God put Abraham to the test. He called to him, Abraham, ready, he replied. Then God said, Take your son, Isaac, your only one, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. There you shall offer him up as a holocaust on a height that I will point out to you. The story is told in a typically biblical manner, which is to say, with a kind of devastating understatement. God says, take your son, mind you, your only son, your beloved son, Push it further. The one whom I gave you as a great promise. The son of your old age. Remember the story told earlier in the book of Genesis? The three visitors come to Abraham. He entertains them. They turn out to be angels. One of them says, when we return next year, your wife, Sarah, will be pregnant. And of course, Sarah laughs. She's well into her 80s. Here's this impossible sign. And yet Abraham believes, and it's true. Sarah gives birth to this son. And God says, through this son, you will become the father of many nations. Your descendants will be more numerous than the stars of the sky and the sands and the seashore. In other words, this son meant everything to Abraham. His only, his beloved Son, the Son of the Promise. And what does God want? God wants him back. God wants Abraham to sacrifice him. Does the Bible tell us of Abraham's anguish? No, because the Bible usually is very understated. But do the commentators speak of the anguish of Abraham? Yes. And we can only begin to imagine it, the devastation, 
the darkness of this command. What could God possibly be up to? God who gave me this son as a gift of my old age, through whom I will become the father of many nations, and now God wants him back? What could this mean? What could God want? What kind of God am I dealing with? All these questions must have raged and surged in Abraham's heart. Then some of the poignant details. Again, laconically understated in the Bible, but elaborated upon by the commentators. It's a three days journey to Mount Moriah, the Mount of Sacrifice. Abraham sets out with his servants, a few of them, and with his son. And they walk for three days and three nights. They walk, they travel, they eat, they camp, they sleep. And all during this time, Abraham knows that this son who is trustingly traveling with me, I'm going to kill. Can you imagine the devastation of that journey? And the fact that it was three days, not a quick trip, but a three-day journey, knowing all the time it will end in the tragedy of this sacrifice. Then they come to Mount Moriah. And the Bible tells us that Abraham placed the wood of sacrifice on the shoulders of Isaac, and then together they walk up the mountain. His son, not knowing what's going to happen, but is bearing the instruments of his own sacrifice. And then, probably the most poignant moment, Isaac turns to Abraham and says, Father, here's the wood and the fuel for the sacrifice, but where is the lamb of offering? Abraham, obviously beside himself with grief, says, God will provide. The poignancy of this scene, the emotional power of the scene, what Abraham is being called upon to do by God, it's almost too much to bear. You know, I've quoted to you before the great philosopher Soren Kierkegaard. One of Kierkegaard's greatest works is called Fear and Trembling. It's a reflection on this scene. And of course, that title is so right, isn't it? Fear and Trembling. If you read this story and don't feel a kind of anguish, if you read this story and you're not puzzled by it, unnerved by it, angered by it, you're probably not grasping the nettle of it. You're probably not getting it. Abraham walking up the mountain, his own beloved son bearing the instruments of, of the sacrifice. And then, of course, at the climax of the story, Abraham raises the knife willing to do what God is commanding him despite all of his inner opposition. He raises the knife to sacrifice his son. At the last minute, the angel catches his arm and says, No, stop. God now knows of your faith. Fear and trembling, yes. Great confusion, yes. What follows? Well, God rewards Abraham extravagantly. Because you have demonstrated your faith, because you have followed my command, I will make you great among the nations. I will make your descendants as numerous as the star, stars of the sky. Listen to him now. Because you have acted as you did, not withholding from me your beloved son, I will bless you abundantly. 
and make your descendants as countless as the stars of the sky. Your descendants shall take possession of the gates of their enemies, and in your descendants all the nations of the earth shall find blessing. Abraham is extravagantly rewarded. Now, what do we make of this strange story? I think, friends, in many ways, it sums up a principle which is on display from beginning to the end of the Bible. The principle that I will call the law of the gift. The law of the gift. Let me state it this way. In the biblical vision, your being increases in the measure that you give it away. Your being decreases in the measure that you cling to it. Simple? Yes, in one sense. A paradox? Absolutely. Does it fly in the face of the logic of the world? Yes. The logic of the world says, if you love something, you want something, you cling to it, you hang on to it, you grab it, you defend it. The biblical law of the gift says no. You want your being to increase you want your life to be enriched, give it away as a gift. You want to lose it? Lose your life? Lose the good? Hang on to it. Cling to it. What is God asking of Abraham? Abraham, I want you to give. I want you to give away what you love the most, your only beloved son. What's the result? The increase in his being. The law of the gift. Now, the first Christians, when they reflected on the life of Jesus, saw a correlation between Jesus and this strange story. We can catch a hint of it in the gospel the church has chosen for today. It's that familiar story of the transfiguration. Jesus goes up on a high mountain with his disciples. He is transfigured before their eyes. His clothes become dazzlingly white. And there, Elijah and Moses appear to him, and he converses with them. But then, at the end of the story, what do we hear? Listen. A cloud came, overshadowing them, and out of the cloud, a voice. This is my son, my beloved. Listen to him. We hear, in other words, of a father and his beloved son. If you're a first century Jew and you're hearing this story, what comes to your mind? This fundamental story from the book of Genesis, also about a father and his beloved son. What does Jesus say when he comes down the mountain? He strictly enjoined them not to tell anyone what they had seen before the Son of Man had risen from the dead. Here's the awful truth. What will this father do in regard to his beloved son? I mean God the Father in regard to God the Son. On Mount Calvary, he will sacrifice him. He will give him away for our sake. Offer him up for our sake, 
Friends, all of the emotional resonance of the story of Abraham and Isaac is meant now to be transferred to the story of God the Father with regard to God the Son. As Abraham felt this terrible anguish in surrendering and sacrifice what he loved the most, so God the Father, in this anguish of love, gives away his only son. The difference, of course, is God the Father carries through the sacrifice. It's not stopped. In the sacrifice of the cross, he gives away his son, and his son accepts this obligation. What do we see? In its purest form, the law of the gift. God the Father gives his only begotten son, gives what he loves the most in the creation and the redemption of the world. We come to life in the measure that we imitate this same law of the gift in our lives, that we are willing to surrender what we love the most. Just a last thought. What happens on the altar at every Mass but a re-presentation of this great and awful act by which the Father sacrifices His Son? But then in a wonderful move, what do we do? We offer it back to him as the priest, in the name of the people, acting on behalf of the people, offers up the sacrifice of the Son. We return to God what God gave to us, this beautiful rhythm now of the law of the gift. God gives what he loves the most to us, and then we offer that sacrifice back to him. In this act, the act of the Mass, Abraham is on display, this transfiguration is on display, the law of the gift is on display. God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. Word on Fire is brought to you in part by Catholic Cemeteries. Most interment arrangements at the 42 Archdiocese of Chicago Cemeteries are made through a pre-need plan. Your thoughtful planning today is economically prudent and contributes to peace of mind for you and your loved ones. Catholic Cemeteries counselors are available at your convenience. For more information, call 708-449-6100. Catholic Cemeteries serving the Catholic community since 1837.